From true cavalt blackness to dark wave to butt rock. What the fuck is happening with black metal bands? Cast them down. Hail Metal Nation! It is I, Tim, from Podcast Them Down. Uh, grinning like an idiot is Mike. <laughs> and, uh, and as so often as before, Dave is also joining us. Uh, Mike, this episode was your idea. What? What the hell is going on with black metal bands? It, it, <laughs> you know, like, why did they? Question. When did they get so weird? Is I think when you, how you pitched it to me. Yeah. And so I'm sure I've so, mentioned so many times before. I'm very picky when it comes to my black metal. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, like I listen to like a small window of '90s, late '90s black metal, and maybe some early 2000s, and then after that. Uh, almost nothing, <laughs> you know? I don't think I've listened to a new black metal, uh, apart from uh, the the gems that we are discovering through metal promos, uh, since around 2008. And that band was called Sworn, and they were from Norway, and may even still exist. They were amazing. But to Tim's point, I too am picky about black metal and listen to about the same uh span of years i do like some of the early 90s stuff um i never explored with any kind of satisfaction the if if we're going to be honest about it the the true norwegian black metal dark throne really never did it for me mayhem gotta be honest (sighs) you know it was emperor and everyone after that that really did it for me so, so I, um, you know, I, I've mulled this over before and I've been trying to like, like if I were going to explain this to somebody who had no idea what the hell we were talking about, it's like, what is black metal? Like, like how did it start? And I think what I've decided is that black metal started kind of as the music of Scandinavian terrorists, right? I like, mean, that's, that's unfortunately, uh, that's, that's unfortunately an accurate, though, isn't it? Like uh, I, I would argue that in the same sense that punks had a social agenda to their music in the seventies, there was definitely a social agenda to black metal in Norway and Sweden and yeah. Finland for that matter in, in the late eighties and early nineties. I think that later it became, I mean, it, it's more of a style than it is a, an ideological position. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now it is. Well, I actually, I think the pendulum has probably swung back largely the other way after a lot of what I saw in, you know, the 2010s, but how to put this? I, I don't think it's hard to say, isn't it? Because like the, 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 the content of the lyrics that they were writing was frequently fantastical and yeah. not grounded in any particular message. But then the behavior that they were engaging in and like the criminal activity that was being undertaken in those years by, let's be honest, at least one person in all of the major bands of the early 90s in Norway. Um, I think it's it's kind of a fair attribution, but but it's a very gray area in terms of like the music itself. 
so so here's my my theory, and I think we could briefly touch on like like the so uh, totally right. You know, they basically sing about like Lovecraft and elves and just Satan and darkness yeah. and cold and grimness. Like, but but then you've got like, of course, you've got Euronymous and and Varg Viker Vikernes, Vikerns, whatever. Uh, Vikernes, being the yeah. More, yeah, being the more notorious, uh, the most notorious story. But then you have like uh, John Notvite, I think his name is from Dissection. Um, you've yeah. got. Chort, who I think who went to jail for a little bit. I, I don't think it was as bad. Bored I mean, I think, from Zoom from Emperor. Uh, you know, yeah, there were murderers and arsonists and general criminal people in yeah. the scene. Like, I, I don't know whether, and this may be a fraught comparison, but like similar to rap in. New York and Los Angeles in the late eighties and early nineties, there was a not insignificant criminal element in the recording studios. Yeah. Oh, know, the LA making po- music, the LA police department. Yes. That is exactly who I'm talking about. But my theory is that as these like, for, for lack of a better term, terrorists aged, they sort of chilled out and were like, I still want to make a music that's weird. I just don't really care about the anger component. And that's why Arcturus now comes out in a spaceship and and uh, Green Carnation uh, is basically like a prog rock band. <laughs> Uh, what else? No, I mean, those uh, are interesting over. things. Yeah, Over is a perfect <laughs> example of all of that. Although... I don't think they did anything. They, yeah, they weren't They weren't involved in anything besides making, like... I, I don't know. Th- that band is so shrouded in mystery through design that it's hard to know what they were doing when they were writing uh, Bergtot and Feldsanger and all of that. And did they really blow it all on cocaine and suits? Who knows? But... Um, yeah, I I like to, to kind of point to Isan in this in this sense because he was kind of an extreme guy and held positions and opinions that are documented that are not in line with what we think of as like enlightened Scandinavian liberalism. And the man is a music instructor for kids now and right is like has had a complete as it seems to the public, uh, transformation in terms of what he's doing, like outside of music and also what he's done musically speaking, both as a soloist and, um, did, I never listened to Picatum at all. There it's real weird. Yeah. It's real, real weird. Real the real only weird. non, I don't even know if the songs have titles. Um, but the only, the only non emperor, or like solo project Isan that I'm familiar with was this record called Harding Rock, which is I have both of those by the way. Oh yeah, Harding Rock yeah. is fucking awesome. It's my sitting to my playlist every year to kick things off. But it's him doing folky, like dad black metal ish rock. 
is. It's like there is there is very little aggression. There's some clean vocals. There's some harsh vocals. There's some blast beats, but it's all done with a Harding fella, a Norwegian Hardanger fiddle player, accompanying it. Um, huh. It's awesome. I will get you a copy at the next Eisenmore practice. Or yeah, I really we'll want to hear that. Digitally do stuffs. Um. But yeah, you're very you're very right. They got older and calmer and decided to add saxophones. <laughs> the saxophone thing, I don't fucking understand at all. Um, it, I, I don't understand I am, why I am well documented in hating on the saxophones. Yeah, but uh, so so Garm from Ulver is probably one of the. I find him particularly fascinating in this regard because okay, so for for over, uh, you have Berktat, which I have described before as Black Boys Black or not, oh my god, Beach Boys Black Metal, uh, because it's got of the harmonies, like this, yeah, because of the vocal harmonies, yeah, um, uh, and and they're kind of gentle, you know what I mean? Ex- extremely, like all of the clean vocals are just like so soothing. Yeah, so then you go immediately, and and I feel like Ulver is probably the primary example of this this band that never even had a had a progression. They just they were just like I'm just going to be weird as humanly possible. Yeah, so they go from Bergtat to Kvaldsanger, which is acoustic folk. Yeah, it uh, so like he described it as their immature attempt at a classical record, um, which. You know, when I was a kid in music school, I was like, man, you guys are really being way too hard on yourselves. And then like at the end of music school, I was like, yeah, you were a bunch of 19 year olds with acoustic guitars. I, I really enjoy the album. It's a good yeah. album and some of it's tricky to play. Um, yeah. And I I think of all of the over that I've listened to over the years, I probably listened to that album the most. I agree. Um, Bergtok coming in second for sure. Oddly enough, then followed by the uh, quick fix of melancholy and uh, marriage of heaven Next. and hell. Oh, oh, interesting. Oh, in terms of like what I've listened yeah, to yeah, the most, yeah, yeah. like I for me, over like they land for me in almost every way. Um, I like their electronic stuff. I like their acoustic stuff. I like their appalling harsh black metal. I like. Yeah. Pretty much all of it, except my one live experience seeing them, and that maybe a tale for another time. Uh, but yeah, they, they didn't have a band progression so much as a, they dabbled in every area that interested them. But somehow, you know, going from metal to, I mean, we had a brief, like what you call themes from William Blake's evident hell. What is that like prog rock even? It's 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 not particularly heavy. It's almost it like it's so that's when they started experimenting with electronics. Um okay. and started adding a keyboardist who functioned more like a programmer. Um which is a kind of a stupid term to use, but like would be at a when I saw them in two thousand nine, he was at a laptop. Like no. he had a keyboard, but he was mostly at a laptop making sounds okay. and doing loops. And um, so all of that started with the marriage of heaven and hell. And so it's kind of tough to pigeonhole that into a genre. Like 
I think you're right. Prog rock is a, a, an appropriate moniker, but it's also got like industrial elements um, right. and, and like elements of noise. So, but then again, there are melodic lines, like songs that you can sing. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, everything's just all over the fucking place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like, like there's no, there's almost no thematic, there's almost no unifying theme for like any other album. Um, And what I find interesting is that somehow, despite all this, Garm still is heavily associated with heavy metal and he still guests in heavy metal uh, Mm -hmm. and other heavy metal songs. Uh, I always think of him in Solofald's, is it Black for Death that he's on? It, uh, it might be. I didn't know he – I know he's done stuff with Borknagar since like leaving, but I didn't know that he had sung with Solifald. Yeah, on Black for Death, he does a song. Um, he was in Arcturus. Yeah. And right, I, that's I mean, how I found out about him. He bounced around. So can we can we change gears for a hot second? Yeah, go for it. Um, although I do want to share one last thing about Ulver, and it seems like his main motivation is just soundscape. Like, yeah, it doesn't. It, it, did you ever hear any of their um, soundtracks? Uh, I yeah, I did. Uh, was it Lycanthropin? Yeah, Lycanthropin, and then they did one called Svid Neged, and uh-huh. um, another one called Uno. I haven't heard Uno, but, but there, I, I've heard those two. Yeah, and the other two, but but that's like kind of that's it, like. He's exploring with electronic sound and his voice and guitars processed through a million effects that I don't understand. Yeah. But um, you mentioned Arcturus, and I think that's uh, an interesting thing to consider. Like after we have our first and arguably like the original wave of black metal in the 80s and then bands like Ulver and Dissection and uh, Emperor – in the early nineties, then you start to see the rise of the supergroup. Like Borknagar was a supergroup, so to speak. Like these guys were already in established bands and well known in the scene, and they all got together to do this project. Arcturus, of course, you mentioned being the same way. And uh man, how many common members have those two bands had actually over the years, Arcturus and oh, Borknagar? I'm sure they're hugely incestuous yeah like they two of the three singers have been the same at any rate uh but i think that those kind of um those kind of manufactured groups like that once uh the original bands had made their mark and defined the style and gotten some credibility and the attention of people who are going to buy music to say, okay, we'll put out something that is black metal with a folky tinge or black metal with a space vibe or a carnival vibe. Cause they had that whole like weird sideshow thing yeah. going on for a while. And those, two, those two bands were hugely important to me. Um, kind of independent of the emperor, Dimibor gear, like, traditional straight ahead black metal. Uh, but they really broadened the horizons for me of what black metal had the potential to be. And then what 
we saw best, I think, in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s with like the quote unquote third wave of black metal when it was richly produced and, you know, technically competent because let's face it, these guys were teenagers who were fucking hanging out, getting drunk and writing riffs. So, you know, everybody got 20 years of experience under their belts and the music suddenly got better. I do remember Isan saying something along the lines of like, why does everyone want me to write like I write songs like I did when I was 18? You know, Isan in particular, he's, he's hard not to talk about because of, so so they have a IX equilibrium and then anthems to the welcome at dusk. Right. And those are both kind of, I, yeah, there you go. I've heard them kind of described as superlative in two different styles of black metal. Like, you know, IX Equilibrium being kind of the, you know, the, the would you call it second wave? Uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with the waves. I don't know. But, I don't know. think anybody else oh, uses those terms. Oh, then you wouldn't have listened to that, that black metal album that... We uh, did a promo on, and they're like, "Oh, it's second wave black metal." Oh, I guess Dave I guess and I are true enough to know what that means. Yeah, I we pinpointed <laughs> the years immediately. Um, but you know, those two albums represent two two very different styles, and they come right after one another. Yeah, but then, but then, uh, you know, Emperor's last album, Prometheus, I think is super interesting because it. It sort of is like okay. Um, <laughs> this isn't the it, same band that released. No, I am the Black Wizards. No, yep. So, so Prometheus definitely foreshadows Isan's solo work quite a bit, and and it's almost like neoclassical. You know, I, I feel like the guitars are frequently used almost as like violinish type instruments at least in terms of composition yeah um and yeah yeah, he moved away from like the straight riffage of the earlier emperor albums into the more linear melodic sustained lines that take up the same register frequently frequency wise as tremolo picking does but just allows for that different texture so yeah i think you're completely correct about that like i remember when i finally listen because i like to if possible when i'm getting into a new band i like to listen chronologically so i had gotten very into uh in the nightside eclipse and anthems and it took me a while to work my way all the way to prometheus and that's exactly the thought i had i'm like i know this is their last album and it sounds like an album where the band is done being who they are right yeah, it, it definitely is like okay, this is something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another in a very in a in another in a different realm, Satyricon. Um, though they're much kind of truer to themselves than, or truer to black metal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to Volcano, I haven't. So l- let me let me Metal Nation. The, I think the last Satyricon album I listened to was um, Nemesis Divina. 
which had the song Mother North, which is probably what all, you know, people who have heard only one Satyricon song have heard. Well, with Volcano, it still has kind of like the black metal vocals, vocals, but you'll start to hear it referred to as like black and roll. So it's it's a lot more down tempo, um, and it's a little bit more like kind of kick assy mm-hmm. as opposed to creepy. Are we uh, are we beginning to trend into butt rock territory? Perhaps. Oh my god. Um, so so I mean I. <laughs> I ha- I I haven't listened to a lot of Satyricon, but I I'm pretty sure they've kept their edge for the most part. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of interesting, you, you know. Even this this band, which still kind of largely kept with the anger, still kind of filed the teeth off a bit. Um, not that I and I have no problem with that, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. uh, oh, actually. Another interesting aspect to talk about would be the newer bands that have taken the style of earlier black metal, which is, I'm assuming, this this band that you did the um, the promo for. Oh yeah, or the promo review, uh, but don't have the same um, kind of ideolo- ideology. Yeah, or or like cultural and stylistic trappings, like. The music's all the same, but everybody's got short hair and is wearing a polo shirt. Yeah. So not that there's anything we'll, wrong with that, but it's like when I hear blast beats, I'm imagining corpse paint on the person making them. It's a, so Wolves in the Throne Room is a newer band that sounds. I mean, they're they're pretty newer. Man, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but I mean, they're black metal. Yeah. I haven't heard a lot of their newer stuff, but. But I've definitely had friends that have been like, oh, they suck. It's like, why? They're a bunch of hippies. (laughs) To that end, Agaloc, like they're – and that's the thing. Like with – as with any scene, as it becomes popular, a broader uh, swath of humanity is going to become interested in it. And it's like you see these guys in the Pacific Northwest making this very atmospheric – place related black metal. And this is something that I wanted to touch on. Like I feel like Ulver specifically has a very uh tied to their earth, like the place where they live, the place where the music was written and recorded sound. Right. Like it's Norway on a CD. I could say that. Maybe I, I'm biased, right? But that was my personal experience. And I feel the same way about Agaloc is like you put them on and you are in the, the Northwest rainforest full of evergreen trees. And I don't know. I think that's a good thing in general that scenes become wider and that orthodoxy begins to crumble a certain amount. Yeah, I definitely don't, you know, with this progression, I don't really have any ties to whatever ideology drove them. Um, And that's that's actually something that I found kind of interesting um, in general, because a lot of these musicians need that anger to write. Whereas I don't necessarily need the anger. I'm, I'm happy with the style, Mm -hmm. but some people are really, you know, some fans are really tied into that anger. They they absolutely need it to be that, 
that are genuinely hateful in order to enjoy it, even if the music is stylistically the same. Yeah, which is, first of all, incomprehensible to me because how many black metal lyrics are you actually fucking understanding upon listening? And second, uh, a real shame and a large part of the reason that I didn't get much deeper into it. Like for all you metal nation listeners who don't know I'm Jewish. So it's very difficult for me to share any kind of ideological connection with black metal musicians of ideological conviction, you know, because it's almost all anti-Semitic or national socialist in some way. Uh, and it's painful that that is a barrier to enjoyment for me because I was ignorant of all of that for so long when I was first getting into the music and I fell in love with it. And then like understanding that these figures are maybe not the uh, people to be idealizing. And then of course that brings up all the questions that everybody talks about nowadays with separating art from artist and what can we like and what is okay like what is morally acceptable to continue to enjoy and how can I enjoy these things knowing what I know and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, it sucks a little bit that that is uh, not insignificant part of the scene. And I, I feel like if you, if you, especially if you got in the black metal, you know, death metal is one thing because I feel like most, not all, but most of the at least bigger death metal bands kind of, no, it's stupid. Like the things that they're thing, singing about yeah. are stupid. Just like everybody who's drawing comic books knows that they're drawing comics. Yeah. You know, like Cannibal Corpse. You yeah. Know, the stuff they sing about is abhorrent, but that's not really, they don't live that life. It, but right? it, yeah, it's not cartoonish. It, let me refer. It is cartoonish. Like. Yeah. Horrible, but fantastical. But with black metal, yeah, they they're sincere. Whatever whatever it is that they're espousing, they're into it. Mm -hmm. um, even though the lyrics are frequently, as you said, like completely unrelated to whatever ideology that they they espouse. Um, but it makes it even. Uh, well, okay, okay, actually, let me finish that thought. So I feel like as a as a metal fan. Uh, I had a lot of early earnest conversations with myself over whether or not I was okay with separating art from the artist. Because if you dig, if you even like scratch your fingernail on the history of these people, it's like, oh, bombing churches. Ooh, there's a lot here. <laughs> um, I'm but, a little more morally flexible than that. And if nobody gets hurt and there is no immediate historical value and – well, I'm saying this out loud and realizing that I have grown up a great deal since I last thought about these things. <laughs> but, but you know, it, you have if you listen to black metal and you start looking into it, yeah, uh, you have to kind of talk to yourself pretty quick about like, am I okay with what these people have done, uh, or am I okay with the fact that they're just shitheads and I still have like, can I still enjoy the music? Yeah, and uh, there, I've definitely done my share of rationalization. It's like, am I okay liking a band where the drummer murdered a gay man because he wanted to know what it was like to kill someone? 
Well, you know, most of the music's written by the guitarist, and he never did anything wrong, so yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it's a real thing. It's very true that those are things that must be confronted. Um, but, you know, it's like that's, these same people now are in, they've mellowed out a ton, and they create weird-ass shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I still... partially blame Varg for that, too. I was about to say, I still <laughs> don't listen to Burzum. I don't give a shit how good it is. It it alternates between great and trash. Yeah. Well, I don't give a fuck because he doesn't alternate between trash and anything else. God, his... L- looking him up, I think he's at his heart. He's like a D&D nerd. Like, that's oh, he who he definitely is. is. He even put out a racist D&D... Yes. Game. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. He he made his own pen and paper RPG, and he couldn't help but make it racist. Yeah. It's like, wait, yeah. You, what is wrong with you? Yeah. It's like you you took the most like harmless hobby, and you f- fucked it up. God Almighty. I mean, um, and and these, I don't even know enough to yeah. talk about what he's doing recently, but. You know, I, I I think he's retired again. But, uh, but I'm like, sure he's living in France on his farm, blissful. Yeah, but, but he appears to have mellowed out somehow, though he's still an abhorrent human being. I mean, I again, I don't pay any attention to him because I assume that he hasn't changed yeah. much. And with open access to the internet and the way the world has shifted in the last four years, I'd expect him to be loud and uh, out about it. But whatever. Farg's yeah, so, not my guy. No, no, but but I mean, like you know, even people as as abhorrent as Varg seem to have mellowed out, and like, yes. yeah, I just can't do this angry music anymore. You know, Isan goes and does his progressive thing. Garm does whatever it is he does. Uh, one person I think worth discussing in in the realm of like stylistic changes. Though I don't know that he's his music has changed stylistically too much, but it represents kind of like an early div- diversion from traditional black metal's mm-hmm. Vintersword. Oh yes, I was wondering uh, we were going to get to Mister V. Yeah, <laughs> so so Dave and I both, I think all three of us love 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 love. Fuck yeah, every album. Yeah, he's he's fantastic, but he's always had this folky tinged black metal. Um, though, though, I guess Cosmic Genesis and yeah. Visions, yeah, that was a little bit more proggy. And the focusing blur, like, I mean, the man is singing about perfect black bodies and the fact that the stars might be molecules in the next dimension and greater than ours. Like, man, yeah, I was getting so high as a freshman in college, just like, <laughs> whoa, man, what if the stars are the molecules? I mean, he uses words that I was like, something about the. The star's bivium. I was like, what the fuck is bivium? Go look it up. It's a real word. How the fuck do you know English better than I do? (laughs) But yeah, so so he... Ventrosauric has always been very, like, nature-y. So especially, like, the first few albums, though, a lot of them are more... um, Not in English. They are all in Swedish, yeah. 
and then he gets the cosmic genesis, and then it starts being weirdly sciency and philosophical. Mm-hmm. And then he puts out Solon's Rotter, Yord Pulse, Orca, Natural which are all back to the earth, mm-hmm. all pure Swedish again. So interestingly, let's talk about Solon's Rotter for a second, because that is it is in in Swedish and it sounds folkier than like cosmic or well the focusing blur and visions for sure but half of those songs are about like there's one about marie curie there's one about um leonardo da vinci and his like mathematic and scientific pursuits huh okay i didn't know that but there are also plenty of like what dipped in in euclid shows just about taking a bath in a glacial lake um so yeah, it's it's a I, that album is one of my favorites of his. Like Tilfiel's Solinsrutter, um, it's hard to pick favorites with him. Every album is pure gold. But I love it's the so- fact that that's where the the natural like that you can touch and feel and get under your fingernails and the natural of the spheres and the elements finally reunite. Interesting. Okay, I didn't realize that there was. Still so much of a science theme. I, uh, there are bits started. of it, yeah. Um, now, he he's only had a drummer. He's only had like a full band for two albums, Visions and the Focusing Blur, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Solon's Rotter, I was listening to the drums at some point, so they're all programmed. He had These a really... are fucking... They're crazy. They're really good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a point when I had a little more space to play drums where I was like, I'm going to see if these are actually human physically playable drum parts, because some of them do not sound like you can play them with four limbs. No, Um, I mean, mean, they're always just going 100 miles an hour, even when the music is calm and it doesn't detract from the music. It's just, they're really complicated. Yes. Um, I don't know who did the drum programming for that, but I want to say it was one of the dudes from Nalfar. Um, that he knows someone did drum programming. It wasn't him, um, for that record at least. Okay. But also that's something that's also really interesting to me because it feels weird a little bit to listen to a Vintersorg record where Asger Mikkelsen is actually playing drums because he established his sound so well with that just shitty late nineties digital drum sound. You know, like on Udemarkinson and Tilfiel's, just like that zero dynamic change. Yeah, I think I think it fits those albums. It does, and and that's what he sounds like. Like that's his band, you know. Um, but I feel like we've gotten off track on the weirdness of black metal. Although Vintersorg is pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but he started weird. No, um. I got into, I got into Vindrasorg and Mythitin. Oh yeah, Mythitin. Myth- myth- and and then they became Falconer. Talk about hard right turns. Yeah, that was a weird. <laughs> that was a, I. I got into Mythitin as right as Falconer started. So basically, I listened to a whole bunch of Mythitin and then discovered Falconer. Yeah. Afterwards, I was like, Oh, oh wow. Yeah, this is where this goes. See, that was um, the reverse for me. I, I found Falconer was like, fuck, yeah. And then I learned that uh, – not Stefan Elmgren. What's his name? Weiner Hall. Thank you. Um, 
I realized he had a band before that. And I was like, Oh, I bet they're awesome. And I got an album, I think around the Oaken table. Um, oh yeah. And was like, this is not what I was expecting, but it's awesome. <laughs> it, they're one of those bands, man, where they, the song, every song is either fabulous or awful. You know, like you listen to an album, it's like this song is great. You listen to this, this song is really bad, and I'm never going I don't to want hear to listen. it again. <laughs> right, but they don't. They don't go in between. Mm-mm. Um, but man, you know, somehow this is Mythotin has a very folky style. Uh, if if you've listened to Falconer, obviously you've heard they have a very distinctive guitar. Uh, yeah. guitar work I think yep uh, Mithidin has the same guitar work uh, though it's a lot more it's a, it's a lot less uh, mature I think mm-hmm. um, but they're still considered black metal despite Falconer being straight up power metal but somehow you could transplant the same guitar work into black metal and it still works yeah um, that is that that is a very interesting observation it's true yeah it's yeah, and you would never call Mithidin folk or uh, power metal, right? But I think that may that may owe something to the shared like heritage of the rock and roll song for mm. both of those bands. Like, because when you get down to it, and I say this with all the love in the world, uh, Falconer borders on hard pop at times. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. yeah. I, li- or, I, I like or, Falconer despite it all. <laughs> or like heavy metal Broadway. Yeah. And that's Especially. absolutely meant to be the compliment that it sounds like. Um, I mean, shit. Northwind, every song on that record is a pop song or, or a part, like a musical number. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, Northwind was a weird return for Blad. But but what my point lying there is that like heavy metal in almost all of its forms, if it's using a traditional like rock and roll blues harmonic structure or any kind of traditional song structure is just pop music dressed up in aesthetic. And I don't mean to be yeah. reductive in this sense, but like it makes sense to me how those two – different like vastly different bands can have a guitarist doing essentially his signature guitar style and have it work for both. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have no issue with, with, uh, cloaked metal cloaked pop music. Uh, oh shit. I mean, we've talked about Sonata Arctica and Hammerfall on this show before. Ghost. I like ghost. I know that's, I thought you said metal cloaked. <laughs> Ooh, it's time for the uh, time for a soundboard effect. That was a sick burn. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a sick burn sound effect yet. No. Working how, about, how about Satan? Sick Clark? burn, bro. There you go. <laughs> what, I no. I have a theory about science fiction writers. Yeah, you know how every science fiction show uh is like, oh, we got stuck on the holodeck again, and now we're doing a Jules Verne story or we're doing an old west story or even worse that terrible show that everyone loved um firefly i've never seen it 
I also I'm like writing uh, uh, about the old West and I'm really into Chinese culture, but I, all I can do is get this job as a science fiction writer. So I'll just jam it all in here. I think that's what all these black metal musicians are doing. They're like, um, you know, they want to write something else, but they're not good enough. So they're stuck writing black metal <laughs> and after, over the years. They get good enough. You know, I mean, and I have managed to disparage two completely disparate communities uh, with my analogy. And you know what? I'm right. I think there's actually a fairly defensible argument to be made in that sense for certain of the people in that scene. Like, I think that Isan started making ooh, nice. I think Isan started doing black metal because that's what you did in those years. If you wanted to make music in Norway and you didn't want to be a dork. Yeah, well, and now Opeth. he's making what he wants. I remember seeing Opeth. They they told us Opeth is Opeth is a good. Uh, yeah, they weren't called them? metal though, but uh, they they what said happened to Opeth? They basically <laughs> got well. That's a different episode. But they said yeah. when they released an album with a flower on it, they got death threats. That's ridiculous. Like, Michael said that at one of the shows. Yeah, and it's like that's yeah, so stupid. I can buy that. Like you have to be extreme if you're in Stockholm or Oslo or Bergen mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah, or, and then as as time goes on, and, and you know th- that ties over into we've talked about this before, like playing live. You know, the, the your, your metal fan has like a very particular idea of what you should look like, mm-hmm. like what your gear should look like. Have full um, stacks. Don't have an e kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't have e drums. You gotta have full forbid. stacks. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, so that is pretty. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I'd like to share a personal story about when I saw Olver. Now, I did not. I, it was fifty-fifty. You were going to say Olver or Fish? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had way more fun at a fish show. I got to be honest, and you can quote me on that because <laughs> I went to Olver's first public performance, um, and they were not. S- they did not have the public performance experience required to put on a great show. Oh boy. I didn't go expecting metal. I want to be very clear about that. I knew exactly who this was in 2009. I knew exactly who they were, what the kind of music they were making, but I thought that they might toss all of the rabid metal heads who were coming to see their first ever performance, a bone in the form of like one song. Which naturally they did not. Um, but to your oh point, boy. yeah, metalheads have very specific ideas about what they're going to see, how the stage should look, what your guitar, how many points it has. I mean, shit, what color it is. Can you imagine <laughs> if like, we tried to do an Eisenmore gig and you had a pink bass? Dude, the reason... There's a band called Party Cannon, and I respect the hell out of them, even though I don't know anything about them. Because have you seen their logo? Yeah, it's great because they play all these festivals with extreme <laughs> bands. So it's just like illegible logo, illegible logo, illegible logo, and then Party Cannon, which is made of colorful balloon letters. Which is what I was envisioning and hoping. Wonderful. <laughs> it's right, so good. Logo, but what kind of music logo. do they make? Grind, it's I think. A, 
slam slash brutal death metal. So is this kind of like a buried alive kind of situation? Here, I'm going to send you a... uh, B-E-R-R-I-E-D, buried? Not buried, buried. Here. Straw buried alive. Here in Balmer, those words are the same words, (laughs) huh? Oh, they got the Toys R Us (laughs) R. Oh, they just while you're look, while you're looking that up, I want everyone at home to uh, look up uh, Baltimore accent. Aaron earned an iron urn. Uh, oh, was, oh I've seen that video. Um, yeah. Tim, because there was a Baltimore accent where you can't say that. <laughs> All of these album covers look like they were done for fucking crap salad and the croutons. Hey. No, so, but party so they're great. Plays, <laughs> yeah, they're great, they, but they're done in MS Paint. P- party Cannon plays like massive festivals. <laughs> Unbelievable. Where did we all go wrong? Why isn't this? Is it because we have integrity? Because humor does not belong in music. Party Cannon's most recent album is called Volumes of Vomit. <laughs> yeah, that's the album cover I want you to see, Tim, because it looks just like Julius Caesar and the Romaine Empire. Jesus, what a great Christ. album. Uh, I think it's Crap Salad and the Croutons.bandcamp.com, actually, by the way. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is good. Wow. All right. Do they use party cannons? Do they, like, do they shoot confetti at the crowd during their sets? Well, you they know, should I if don't they know. don't. Do they sound like, do they know, Ailst- are some of them in Ailstorm? We can find out. Let's see. Fuck no. that band. They're, in, they're from fucking Fife and they don't have a member of Ailstorm in them. That's a different, uh, different episode, but fuck Ailstorm. Also not an Ailstorm fan. That duck took up way too much space on stage. <laughs> they did join you in making fun of me, though. I thought that might count for something. <laughs> <sighs> no. Counts for I, nothing. No, I I I I meant uh as uh, as artists. <laughs> um, yeah. We're writing I, I guess about that's another episode. I will I will explain myself in a future episode. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've kind of waxed philosophic on this topic. I don't know Haven't that we've, we've yeah, I, I don't know that we've made any conclusions. I don't know that we've made any definitive or actionable statements. I don't. I don't know if conclusions can be made. I, who out there is making new good black metal? Elende, man. Okay, check them out. I'm. I'm sure they're out there. Well, <laughs> there's a quote from uh, Nergal from Behemoth recently, mm-hmm. who says they asked him, uh, "What's your advice?" For someone starting a black metal band, uh, I hope he and he says his his advice is fucking don't. Yeah, <laughs> I I was off by one word. <laughs> yeah, what was well, that one? What was that one band that we that RVG played with? Was like Frost. You know who I'm talking about? It was at that college radio. I mean. <sighs> WMUC, Third Rail Radio, RIP. You live in our hearts forever. Oh, did it? Did I don't Third know. Rail stop or Third did Rail WMUC stopped with stop? Scotty, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, uh, I think I think they're still doing it. Oh, I didn't know that it was like a university show. I thought that was Scotty's name for it. Yeah, he had nothing to do with it. 
Oh, well, whatever. He, we he still love you, the, Third Rail. the leader of the station. So, but anyway. Well, but th- that band came out, and it was like real solid black metal, like like simple black metal, and it was great. I wish I could remember what their name was. I remember. We're like, that was really good. And then they disbanded like uh, two minutes later or something like <laughs> that. Was, it was so sad. Because we, especially because they came out, we looked at them. Was, they were all, they were young. Uh, and we're like, oh yeah, these guys are going to be a bunch of like, they're going to play some nerdy, nerdy <laughs> shit. And they came out and they fucking killed it. I was like, oh, damn, this is great. <laughs> all right. Well, I got the best closer for this episode. All right. So if you're ready, you may have noticed I, I was messing on my thing here. What I was doing was creating the most black metal album cover possible for my new black metal project, Cobweb. <laughs> so this is going to take some, take some explaining. Um, take some white balancing too. Actually, that's pretty good, Tim. Yeah, thank you. So let's see what we got here. We The, uh, the centerpiece here. Yeah. It's a satanic church, key. you see. Oh, okay. you know, because why have a church if it's not satanic? Okay. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Going- <laughs> but as it's black metal, we had to burn the church because why would you have a church if it's not on fire? Right. And you'll notice the pentagram has goat horns and uh, oh, nice. there is an inverted cross at the top. Okay. So then um, if you look just above the... <laughs> <laughs> the burning satanic church. Uh, that blue is a glacier far off in the distance. Ooh, I see that. And above that glacier is an angry moon. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay. And then, um, let's see, we got mountains, of course. Yeah, I know mean, you, you majestic you mountains. can't have black metal without mountains. That's right. But atop those mountains are a pair of satanic goats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then far off... On the other mountain range are rivers of blood coming from a cave of some sort. No, that's pretty nice. metal. Caves are okay, pretty Okay, and then uh, my chroma key is kind of messing it up, but this is the dark forest of, Do- of doom. Oh, yeah. Okay. That flank the church. And then uh, there is an evil satanic ghost in the fog here. I like oh. it. Okay. Uh, okay. Lots of skulls at the bottom. Then and you've on used the other all- side of the. Oh. This this is a river of sorrow. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then uh, opposite the river of sorrow, where the 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 ghost, sad ghost in the fog, he's bringing lots of fog with him down from the mountains. <laughs> and then, of course, there is a trident upon which are impaled three black candles. Oh, that's for, fucking great! You know, some unholy trinity, and I think. Oh, I added a wolf. When you started talking about wolves in the, thr- in the throne room. <laughs> so I assume there's a throne inside the satanic church because that's pretty black metal. Oh, and uh, let's, not, let's not overlook the cobweb logo, which has m- multiple inverted crosses because, of course, it does. Right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, to. some cobwebs around it. So I'm uh, sorry, you I, did say that the church was on fire, correct? Yes, it is. Okay, good. The satanic good, church good. is being burned. Because <laughs> it has, you know, it's because it's, it's the black church. metal as it gets, you know, and that's I mean, what black metal. What my black understanding metal is that that burn the church. Satanic church is just always on fire. That's you know part of the design <laughs> plan. Yeah. So, 
Okay, I'm imagining a YouTube video. It's like, yeah, it was quite an engineering feat to get this building to be continuously burning. Yeah, perpetually um, immolating and- church is something that we didn't think we would be able to pull off. But happily... <laughs> pan over to, like, PhDs. Just, well, we worked on... We worked on various theories, and we cut several dissertations for many of our students out of this perpetually burning church. We went to the Advanced Polymer Research Lab at the University of Bergen. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. All right. Well, I just want to close by saying that you can own your very own print of Cobweb, the most black metal album cover ever. If you just go to steelresolve.com, they will be for sale. I'll put it up. <laughs> and I'm going to go one step further and say it's going to be signed by the artist. Oh, I, I did. I did sign it. <laughs> so uh, it'll be a print, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, steelresolve.com. Buy your print of the cobweb thing. And uh, <laughs> let uh if, if you have answers, why did black metal get so weird? You know, leave them in the comments, subscribe, do all that shit. Force your friends to listen. That's yeah. very important to see. That's extremely, Smash that like button, extremely black metal to make your friends listen to sounds they didn't expect to hear. Especially if they're unwilling to listen. It's like when I asked you guys to listen to portal earlier. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time, Metal Nation, keep it uh, on a Casio keyboard. That was a Burzum joke. Okay, so I have always loved about black metal and heavy metal in general, the utter futility of the imagery of like hailing Satan. Because what can be more bleak to be like, well, Christianity's right, but I want to worship the bad one. Right. Right. <laughs> I love I it. Wanted, I want to worship the guy that's going to like torture me forever. That's what I want. I love how much straight up Catholicism is in all of power metal. So Templars and such. Oh, yeah. Power and glory. I mean, ripped from the Lord's prayer, man. <laughs>